In today's show, we're going to be previewing the Milwaukee Bucks with the host of the Locked On Bucks podcast, Kane Pittman. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we're available on all platforms. Like I said in the show earlier today, I'm going to be starting to roll out some team previews with the hosts of the Locked On shows for those particular teams. It's a good initial basis for us to get a read on rotations and teams and players and stories and injuries and all that sort of stuff. And it helps us build up our knowledge as we head into fantasy draft season through September and October and the beginning of the season. We're going to start off by talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, I'm not going to be going through ADPs of players in this show with the guest. We'll do another one of those team preview shows probably in September, where we look at each player on the team and their fantasy value after we've built up a little bit of this knowledge, what, how we know where things are, how projections sit, how rankings sit on all of the sites and where the value can be had with all of those guys. So we're going to bring Kane in right now and we can start talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. Warnie? Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> all right, here he is. Kane, welcome back to the show. Sorry, mate. Just saw the intro there. Just trying to look. It's been a while since we've podcasted together. This is like a locked on AFL reunion. So I'm a little bit out of practice. Apologies there. That's, that's all right, mate. Because uh, you know, we just got to get back into the old the old swing of things here and uh, and talking about um, basketball this time instead of footy. But I, I thought we'd start off doing all these team preview shows. Um, and you're the first first cab off the rank here, Kane. Because I wanted wanted to hit the most boring team um, mm. first, and that is the Milwaukee Bucks. Because there's not a huge amount that changes with this team. There's still stuff that we're going to talk about in a couple of situations that we need to get through, but they're not a team, Kane, that goes through a significant amount of upheaval uh, for the last couple of years. No, I felt uh, very boring when you asked me if I could send through <laughs> projected starters and rotation. I was like, maybe you should just take last year's because it's basically going to be the exact same. It was really interesting. The GM, John Horst, did an uh, article with The Athletic, and he really pushed back on the idea that they're running it back because he says, look, there's improvement in this team. But they're running it back. Let's be honest. It's exactly the same roster as they had last year. So, uh, yeah, pretty boring stuff, I would say. They are running it back. But, you know, that doesn't stop me from going through and looking at the comings and goings for this team. It's pretty pretty small list. We've got Marjan Beauchamp picked in the 20s in the, the draft. We've got AJ Green, not the uh, former Bengals receiver, but a two-way uh, guard, AJ Green. And Joe Ingles coming in. And Rajon Tucker has been waived. He's coming down here playing the NBL. Kane and... Um, I'll talk about Ingles in a second, but Jordan Wara, what's uh, what's the situation there? Because he started games last season. He's a guy that um, loves loves a shot, doesn't so much love stopping his opponents taking them. But at the moment, he's not on a roster. He's a restricted free agent. I guess they could bring him back and cut like a Luca Vildoza or Linda Wigginton who are on those training camp deals. But what's the plan with Mora? Yeah, it's really interesting because as you pointed to, he has actually played significant minutes and and actually got a real opportunity, which 
lot early last season when the Bucks had a number of injuries, Jordan Wara was the guy. I still remember opening night. He yep. played a really big role against the Nets, uh, but unfortunately for him, the defensive deficiencies in his game uh, does not translate to Mike Budenholz. I want him to play you night in, night out. And I actually think the draft pick with Marjon Bochamp, I think that is what hurts Jordan Wara because they play a similar position. Uh, Bochamp is a defensive player, uh, has great defensive characteristics, and it's just really hard with the Bucks only having one roster spot available. I find it difficult to believe that he's going to take that 15th roster spot with the Bucks kind of already knowing what they've got. They've had two years to have a look at it. Uh, he hasn't been able to crack that rotation despite uh, multiple opportunities. So my bet is that he isn't on the roster, but the Bucks have come out and said they are open to bringing him back, but it would be really, really hard to see him get any minutes. They love having that flexibility of that roster spot. They brought Boogie Cousins in last season and then waived him because they were like, oh, we want to, we want the flexibility. We want to see what happens with players get waived or bought out or whatever happens. So you're right. They don't particularly value having that full 15 in there. And yeah, they like that flexibility just in case something happens and they have a trade or there's someone who becomes available or someone they like to bring in there. They're not going to be particularly worried about having that 15th guy, especially as you said, when he's probably not going to be in the rotation every night. Now, I said we're going to talk about Joe Ingles. We are going to talk about him in just a second. Let's do an update on the injuries on this team. Let's start with the biggest one, and that is Chris Middleton, who we know was hurt in the playoffs, hurt his knee, but he's out now, Kane, with a different injury, with a wrist wrist surgery, which I'm led to believe will keep him out for the beginning of the regular season. I don't know how much of that. Maybe it's a game. Maybe it's a week. Maybe it doesn't even happen at all. But what is the update on Middleton and his wrist and when we expect him back? Yeah, the mail seems to be that he could miss the first week or two of the regular season. But I think the one thing that we've learned with the Bucks, certainly in recent seasons with injuries to key players, I don't think there's going to be any rush to get him back if there's any concern. So I think it would be likely or certainly possible, I should say, that he'll miss the first couple of weeks of the season with the timeline, the original, I think it was around three months that they said. So I don't think there's any long-term concern there. But this was an injury that he was... Certainly, it appears that he was playing through towards the back end of the season. And I suspect they probably thought it was nothing major. And then after a, a month into the offseason, they probably thought uh, it's time to get it done now so you don't have a, a Brook Lopez situation from last season where he plays opening night and then misses uh, the majority of the regular season. I'm going to talk more a, a little bit about Middleton and that wrist and, and what that means as we move forward in this. But the other injury, Joe Ingles, was signed. He tore his ACL Kane in um, in January, uh, so I would expect we're looking at for a bloke who's yeah, 34 or 35, I think he is. Sorry, Joe, if you're not actually 34, but he's around that mark. Um, you would expect a 12-month recovery, so a return in January. Part A of this question, how upset are you, Kane, that your accent is no longer going to be particularly unique around the Bucks um, with another Aussie in there just getting in the area every day? And they're going to hear your voice and go, oh, that just sounds like Joe. That's nothing, nothing special there. So how much clout hit are you taking there? Uh, big hit, no doubt about it. I had a, a period of around uh, 24 months, let's say, where there was no Aussies on the roster. They've always had Aussies around. Obviously, Dally was there. Uh, Thon Maker was there as well. Dally probably a little bit more of a uh, harsh Australian accent than Thon, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a blow for me. There's no doubt about that. So just getting put in your place there by Joe Ingles, but we're, expect right. we're expecting a January return, I'm guessing, for him. And then when he does come back... Um, 
yeah, he, he'd already shown, shown, again, sorry, Joe, if you're listening, he'd shown some signs of decline before that injury last season. So I don't think we expect, you know, 29-minute-a-night Utah Jazz two years ago, Joe Ingles. He just slides into a a standard sort of bench role as he gets his feet back under him, hoping to push him into whatever prime or you know, top-notch Joe Ingles is at this age as we head towards the playoffs. It'll be really interesting. He believes that he's on track for around mid-December. I think that's pretty optimistic. Again, just because I think the Bucs are going to be conservative. And and this is essentially, I've seen people describe this as the Bucs already getting their buyout guy, uh, the the addition of a rotation player around the All-Star break. So we'll see whether it's late January or before the All-Star break, whenever he does get back. Uh, I don't think that he'll need to play those big minutes. If they could get him to a point in the postseason where he's playing well, I'm sure they would love it. But historically, even with guys like yeah, Brooke Lopez plays around the 25, 26 minutes per game, I think he'll come off the bench to start. And uh, and maybe that's the role that he slots into. Uh, but if you're looking glass half full, and it was interesting, we had Andy Larson on Locked on Bucks who covers the Jazz. And I was asking him about that. What did he see in terms of any type of decline with Joe? And I guess the glass half full approach is, well, he did come off like a number of players. Uh, the long season, the Jazz had a playoff run straight to the Olympics, straight back into the NBA season. What role did fatigue have on Joe? Is that why his shooting numbers dipped a little bit? He's not a lockdown defender anymore. I don't think you're expecting prime Joe Ingles, but if he can still shoot high 30s, up to 40% from three, and be a respectable defender that can that can switch, which we know the Bucks are going to want to do at that position, I still think there is scope for this to be a pretty handy uh, addition later in the season. And I've put Giannis on this list for injuries to pay attention to. He's not actively injured, but there's yeah. been issues with his knee over the last two years. We saw that significant, or sort, we thought significant injury in the playoffs the year before, but he's always had these little weird things with his knee where it gets sore and he misses a game here or there. He only played, we played 71 games. Oh, no, we didn't, sorry. That's, I'm looking at the wrong thing. He played 67 games last season, missed 15 of that. Some of that's rest, but the knee's been a consistent bugbear I guess over the last two years is there any any word on that are we still expecting that there's going to be knee maintenance days for Giannis and it's something we have to deal with for the next couple of years yeah I would suspect I don't think this is something that's going to go away uh, probably for his career just because of how long this knee tendonitis knee soreness uh, has been around and of course you mentioned the injury he had in the playoff around a couple of years ago or around 18 months ago so yeah I don't think it's going to go away but there doesn't seem to be any concern because he's in Greece right now practicing with the national team. He's planning to play uh, in Eurobasket here in in the next couple of weeks through early September. So that tells me that he must be feeling fine. But then again, uh, we've seen that Giannis will also play through stuff and it's very difficult to slow him down. So yeah, I think Bucks fans are just crossing their fingers that he gets through that tournament unscathed and potentially uh, maybe uh, has a good result with the Greek national team. Yeah, I think everyone's hoping that he gets through unscathed. I don't think there's anyone who uh, who dislikes Giannis. But before we get into the rest of the Buck stuff, Kane, now if anyone's seen you in real life, that they they may you know mistake you for a roided up Hulk, like you're just so huge. But really, the sec- right. the secret's built bar, isn't it? Because yeah. it is the best tasting protein bar ever. And you jam yourself full of that protein, but always with the low calories and low fat. And it is the new flavor. Now, Kane, I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to be really upset depending on your answer here. Have you gotten any of the cookie dough chunk puffs yet? Well, no, I haven't. Um, but as you know, I, I'm terrified of you, Josh. So even if I had of, I would have said no. No, that's exactly right. Because yeah, I have more built bars than you. So therefore, I am definitely uh, <laughs> definitely more muscly and definitely stronger. But there is a new flavor. It's cookie dough chunk puff. And it's covered 
like every Built Bar, in 100% real chocolate. You can get these from Built.com, but you can get them and all the other great flavors. They are all tasty. They're all delicious. They're all low fat, low sugar, low carbs, and high in protein. What more would you want when you're looking for a treat, a snack, something after you're coming from the gym, or if you've got some sort of blood feud with cane and you need to bulk up, you might need to get some Built Bar. So head to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, That'll get you 15% off your order of the Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs or whatever other built products you are after. L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. Built Bar is, of course, built different. All right, Kane, we teased it early because that's what professional broadcasters do. You're starting five for the Milwaukee Bucks. Shock us all. Yes, this is going to be a big shock for everyone watching this podcast. Very similar to last season, uh, although... Uh, towards the back end of the season, we saw some changes, but I think that this would be the projected starting five. You can already lock in Drew Holiday, Chris Milton, Giannis, and I think Brooke Lopez. And the big question for the Bucs is who does start at the two guard? We saw Wesley Matthews come in for the playoff run last year. Uh, my reasoning for Grayson Allen starting is just simply that I think that the Bucs, in a perfect world, if they could sit here and say, well, we're going to get 30 minutes from Wesley Matthews night in, night out for 80 games plus postseason, we would do that. Uh, but I think for the regular season, Grayson Allen, particularly for this roster, a little bit younger, uh, shoots a three at a really high level. There is less concerns about defensive stuff in the regular season when you are playing alongside these guys as well. So I think the safe option is Grayson Allen uh, slotting back into the starting five. And he started, I think, 60-plus games, around 61 games last year. So I think that's probably the way they'll go. I would I would expect the same. They you know, when you're surrounding Grayson Allen, not that you're building a team around Grayson Allen, but when he's out there and you've got that shooting skill, and the other four guys are actually legitimately elite defenders, or maybe Middleton's not elite, but he's still really really good. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it's fine. Like especially in the regular season, as you said, and your yeah, guys like Wes Matthews, they have their their issues in staying healthy and even playing necessarily. He's not going to play thirty minutes a night necessarily. So getting someone in who can approach that sort of mark, I, I think, makes a lot of sense. And yeah, the rest of your rotation, I think, makes sense as well. Yeah, Bobby Portis, he'll be the guy that gets probably the bulk of those minutes coming off the bench. And we've got George Hill, Pat Connaughton, Wes Matthews. Do you think that they will start Connaughton or Matthews in place of Middleton while he gets ready to begin the year? Yeah, that'll be really interesting. I think historically, Pat Connaughton has been a guy that Bud really likes to stay, uh, likes to keep coming off the bench uh, for that second unit rotation. But ultimately, Pat's also been a guy that's closed a lot of games. So I, I don't know whether it, it, it really matters. But if I if I had to guess, uh, I think we would probably see uh, West start, even if it was only for a week or two. Uh, there are some optimistic Bucks fans, as everyone likes to get, uh, you know, throw around a bit of optimism about your first round draft picks. There is some optimism that Marjan Bochamp would start or certainly be in the rotation uh, to start the regular season. I, I kind of believe that that could be the case. I think they'll like to get an early look at him. Um, but if I had to put my money down on someone, it would be Pat. Yeah, I think that it might be putting a little bit too much on Marjan to just get him out there and, and starting straight away. Look, I don't, I don't even yeah. know if he'll be in the rotation straight away because you've got those four guys and then it's probably going to be either Beauchamp or Javon Carter who... I'm not a massive fan of Javon Carter, but towards the end of last season when he came across, um, I thought he started to put together some interesting performances. He's a really good uh, defensive guard, obviously. There are some offensive limitations in what he provides, but he's probably, I would suggest, he's going to have at least a slight edge on Marjon to begin things in terms of getting those uh, those rotation minutes. Let's, let's have a quick look at some of the youth on this team, and this is... I think the second oldest team in the NBA, so there's not many young <laughs> players. Even Beauchamp, who is their youngest player, is like 22 already. Um, 
So this AJ Green we talk on two-way, they took Hugo Besson, who I don't believe is going to play for the Bucks this season. He was late in the second round. I really want to look here more at um, Beauchamp and Sandro Mamakelishvili, who I thought Sandro played okay when he was given that opportunity last season. Is there any chance that he can crack that rotation to be that 10th guy? Because when you look at that grouping of those fourth, those four players, Portis, Hill, uh, Matthews, and whoever the other one who has just completely escaped my um, my mind, uh uh, Connaughton, yeah, there's not, there's Portis who's a big and there's not really any others there. Could Sandro come in and be like, played 12, 13 minutes behind Giannis as the backup four? Yeah, pushing ahead of Thanasis who had that role at sometimes last season. I thought he showed a little bit last season, Mama Kulish, really. Yeah, it was interesting because when I, uh, or sort of we were talking about doing this show and you said, uh, give us three to four rotation guys. Uh, historically, Bud is actually probably going to play 10, 11 guys in yep. the regular season. That's what he likes to do. So, uh, there will be scope for, as you mentioned, Carter, Bochamp. The problem for Mamu Kalashvili, I think, is just going to be if the Bucks are healthy, um, there will be nights where he'll be able to come in and play if someone has a has a rest or there's some sort of niggling injury, perhaps back to back, those types of scenarios. But he he's going to play in the positions that uh, Bobby Portis plays, Giannis plays, Brook Lopez plays, and also Serge Ibaka plays. Oh, yeah. So I, I, the question would be, would Mamu come ahead of Serge Ibaka? I probably think not. Uh, I think that if Brooke Lopez or Bobby Portis are missing, Bud would like to give the veterans some run. Typically, that's the way he leans, particularly because of what Abaka can still do, clearly diminished, but can still play defense as a a high IQ player. And and for Mamu, that's definitely the problem for him is defensively. He's kind of in the middle between a four and a five, uh, and there were some challenges on the the defensive side of the ball. So that's why I think there's a challenge, even though in summer league, clearly he he was pretty impressive. He was. Uh, I, I like what he can do. He does have an ability to do a bunch of different things, but it's just going to find that opportunity. He's just someone to keep in mind for fantasy managers mm-hmm. for you know, spot starts, deeper leagues, dynasty type formats. Now I'm going to rapid fire through some um, other questions here with you, Kane. We'll go to this one. So any sort of management plan for Brook Lopez? We know that he had the back problem that cost him four months of the season and came back on, on limited minutes towards the end of the regular season, ramping up in the playoffs. Will they be more cautious there? Will they be resting back-to-backs? Will they be play him 25 minutes instead of 28 minutes and get Portis in there a little bit more to try and preserve that that issue? Because he is, again, like a lot of this team, oh, he's 34. Yeah, it's really interesting because there is some uh, discussion amongst Bucks fans whether Brook Lopez uh, wouldn't actually start. Now, I, I don't, I can't see that. No. I think that he'll start. Bud likes you know, consistency, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but I think your point in terms of the minutes, so yeah, I think you're going to see 24 to 25 minutes. Uh, maybe back-to-backs he won't play. But the interesting thing about Brook Lopez is if you look through takeaway last year, his uh, previous seasons with the Bucks, the three seasons there, and even with the Lakers the year before, uh, he really never missed. He was incredibly consistent. He played almost every single game and had no injury issues. And we know uh, earlier in his career, that was a big problem with the with the feet and, and those types of things and, and back issues he's had in the past. So I think that they'll be cautious. Uh, but he looked pretty good when he came back last season. Honestly, after an extended... I mean, if you're that big and you're having back surgery, there was certainly some concern that, that what does he even look like when he came back? But I thought he looked pretty good. His injury history is one of those things that I, I can almost use as like the poster boy of like people calling people Iron Man or injury prone. Because I think he played 82 games 
for his first three seasons and then played like five games yeah. over three years after that and then never missed again for the next five years or something like that. I didn't miss year one or two and now yeah, missed yeah. basically the whole season. It's been just all over the place because yeah, freak stuff happens and it's not necessarily something that's just guaranteed to happen or not happen and that's he's one of the most wild up and down type guys in that scenario. Now, we can talk about Lopez having management plans. We can talk about Giannis's knee. We know Chris Middleton's probably not going to be ready to start the year. So do the Bucks actually want to push for the one seed? Or are they just like, hey, let's just get through and then we'll back our guys as a healthy squad to beat whoever in the playoffs? Yeah, I think that's a that's a great question. I mean, they won the title as a three seed. Uh, they were a three seed last year. Uh, so... It actually worked out for them in the championship year because Atlanta upset Philadelphia. They had home court in the conference finals. But I think that they've actually learned significant lessons in terms of the management of players, in terms of trying different things in the regular season compared to Brudenholz's first couple of seasons uh, with the Bucks, where they just completely tore through everyone, tried to play their best lineups uh, every night, didn't try anything different. There was no versatility in the game and they were simply just blowing out everyone every single night. I think they've learned from that. I think when you consider that Giannis will be playing in this Eurobasket tournament before the regular season, yes, they've had a full off-season for the first time in a while, but I think you'll be seeing Giannis playing around the 65 games and Middleton and, and Holiday probably similar. So, yeah, I think the the over and under, if we can uh, pump up a, a fellow sponsor of the show, Bet Online, I think the win total was around 51.5. Um, I still think they'll be over that. That seems pretty low for me, um, but I think that, anywhere from the one to three seed. I don't think they'll be going out of their way uh, late in the season to secure the number one seed based on what we've seen. All right, so we'll talk about Middleton. You talk about his games played. He had some issues last season, right? He, he was still really good, but this is a guy who had legendary efficiency. Like two years ago, 62 true shooting. Last, the year before, 59. And he was down... At under 58 last season, he hit only 44% of his field goals overall. He was down under 50% from two, and he was at 37% from three. And 37 is good, but when you're hitting 41% of them for two years in a row, there is you know, there was just drop-off sort of across the board in his two-point shooting and his three-point shooting. Was that maybe the risk that you alluded to earlier that was bothering him through the season? Can the efficiency come back up? Or is this maybe, uh, you know, he's 31 now, you lose a little bit of spring, a little bit of energy in your legs, which can be really you know, hurtful in terms of shooting percentages. Are we expecting a bounce back and the risk is fixing that? It's not an efficiency issue necessarily, but when you go from elite to very good, it is a change. Yeah, I'm curious. The, the, the wrist issue is interesting. It was, it was kind of only late in the season. It's also left wrist, so does that really matter? Yeah. I'm not going to pretend I'm an elite shooter, Josh. I can't really speak to what the opposite hand is doing to his shooting form, but it, it seems to me that it wouldn't be a problem. Uh, again, the question will be, does he respond after having a full off season? And I know it's been interrupted with the wrist and also the knee uh, to start there, but he was another one of those guys that went straight from the title to the Olympics. A month later, the regular season started. They were missing Drew Holiday early in the season. Uh, Giannis, as you mentioned, played 67 games. No Brook Lopez. So was there uh, the, the role increased? Did, was there more expectation on him? Was there more focus on, on him defensively, particularly after what he did uh, in the postseason run, in the title run? So, yeah, I, I think it will be interesting to see whether this is just where he is now uh, or he has a, a bounce-back season. He's not to the point where you're, you're concerned that uh, he's over the hill and at, at his early 30s. The other point I would make is when you think of Chris Milton shooting those threes, shooting those turnarounds, it's not a lot of leg action. He's he's not exactly uh, jumping through. It's a, it's a pretty pretty easy looking shot. So I'm not that concerned. Um, there's a few factors to to look at 
if you're looking for excuses like I might be uh, for why that efficiency might have dropped down. All right, this one's going to be, I think, a pretty boring question, but it's something I'm going to ask everyone, so I'm going to ask you. Is there any breakout candidate on this team? Well, that's a good question. They're kind of all known commodities, yeah, aren't they, on the exactly. box? Honestly, I, I wonder if if you're looking from a from a fantasy perspective, it's just, is there someone that can that can improve from last season? I do think that there is scope for Grayson Allen to have a, a bigger role in this in this uh, offense as a guy that will get you threes, at least score double digits, but can he get up to 13, 14 points per game? Again, we think there's going to be guys that will be resting. I think the opportunity should be there. Uh, and also, uh, he's spoken about this. First year playing next to Giannis. Took him a while to figure out what this team wants. So I think there's some scope from a from a scoring perspective, shooting percentage that you could see a bump from him. But outside of that, it's unless we just point to Giannis and say, well, he'll get better again. He'll do something better than he did last year. It's a tough one to answer. Allen started out the season really well, tended to yeah. slide away. But over the last 30 games of the season, he hit 45% of his threes. He didn't mm-hmm. probably take enough of them. So you know, he he only hit two threes a game over that 30-game period. If he just makes one extra three per game there, that is three threes. That is 13 points per game. And that is that increase that becomes a little bit more relevant to fantasy. And if you're hitting him at 45%, I reckon he should be taking more than four and a yeah. half per game or whatever was he was taking then. He should be getting six or seven of them up. And if you're hitting him at that level, then there is, there is some scope for that. I, I don't know whether that will come to fruition, but... The building blocks, I guess, are there for not a huge, wow, are we talking about Grayson Allen as a fringe all-star? Like, of course, we're not, but at least a huge, um, a significant enough improvement where we have to pay a little bit more attention to Grayson Allen. All right, a couple more questions here before I've got some quiz ones for you. We talked about the age of this squad a lot, right? There's a lot of old players. Who stands out to you most as a regression candidate from what they did last season? Well, I think... I'm not concerned about Giannis, not concerned about Chris, not concerned about Drew Holiday, really, uh, for where they're at. So I think, again, if you're looking for someone that you have to sit there and say, well, where is he at? It would be Brooke Lopez. Now, the numbers last year are going to be difficult to look at because he was uh, you know, obviously monitored pretty heavily towards the back end of the regular season when he came back. So I'm not sure where that leaves him. But maybe if you look to the season before, he's been pretty consistently a, a double-digit scorer. Uh, again, he's not a focal point of the offense, but if you're looking for how the Bucks are going to be work as a team and not necessarily uh, statistically. Brooke Lopez regression would hurt this team significantly from the defensive point of view. But if you're looking at numbers, Bobby Portis will be an interesting player yeah. because if Brooke Lopez plays all season, uh, what does that mean for Bobby Portis? I mean, this is a guy that started 60 games last year, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how he responds and obviously signed a pretty healthy deal uh, over the offseason. Yeah, he did sign that new contract uh, after taking what some may have considered a slightly below market deal. The one before that, and now gets a nice little payday. But you're right, he's the one that I sort of wanted you to get to who was going to have a regression from last season just because he's just not going to have that opportunity. And his role is best suited to be that guy coming off the bench, playing 24, 25 minutes, getting his shots up, doing his thing versus trying to be like a defensive third or fourth option with Drew and Chris and and Giannis out there. So it does suit him, but it probably will drop down his overall um, production. Is this team, Kane, better or worse than last season? Uh, well, I think better if we assume health. Uh, and I, I think that's that's the, the biggest thing. I mean, everyone wants to talk about it and it happens every year to every team. But if Middleton's healthy, if Lopez doesn't have a, the season he had, how would that have changed the overall record? How would that have changed the postseason? So pending health, I think that they'll be better. And I think I do think Joe Ingles, and clearly 
there's there's Joe Ingles live uh, on this podcast from me and you, Josh. But oh, yeah. if he's healthy, uh, I think it's a it's a nice addition to the rotation uh, as well. They won 51 games last season. You talked already about the, the over-under being at 54 and a half. So yeah, I, I do think they are better than that 51 games. Again, playing more than what the 10 games or whatever the Brook Lopez played. It might not have been 10, but it wasn't It wasn't many more. And yep. then yeah, you had that ab- the absences of Drew Holiday to begin the season. Just a bunch of guys. Again, Jordan Warrow was playing 30 minutes a night for a stretch of time. And that uh, that's not something that is going to hopefully happen this season. Well, pr- pretty unlikely considering he's not on the roster. So I've got some other questions for you here, Kane. Now, been looking a little bit at the website Basketball Index. I don't know how much you look at that website, but they have a bunch of very interesting metrics. Now, you don't necessarily know the definitions of all these metrics. You can see them on your screen there, but I want to see if their metrics sort of tie into what someone who covers the team in depth would just think when talking about this. Now, the three-point talent metric, it's something that takes into consideration accuracy, volume, difficulty of shots, all those sort of things. It's basically, um, yeah, just how good is this guy as a three-point shooter? Not for, you're shooting 45% on one attempt per game, but if you're hitting your know, 38 on seven attempts and they're all closely guarded, like that's the sort of thing that these talent grades sort of try to um, take into consideration. So here's your number one, just this feel of your Bucks credibility. Who do you think <laughs> Basketball Index would rate as having the highest three-point shooting talent on this Bucks roster, based on well, based think, on the numbers from last year, that is. Yeah, well, we've already spoken about Chris Milton, so th- so his his numbers have dropped down. And I, again, I'm not 100 percent sure how this how this works. But when you talk about taking difficult three pointers, if you're t- asking me who I want shooting the ball on a contested three pointer on the Bucks, it's clearly Chris Milton. So I if I would hope that this metric is saying Chris Milton, but if we're looking at the numbers based on last year, I don't know if I can give two answers. It's probably cheating. But obviously, Bobby Portis had an excellent shooting season last year. Where are we at? We are at Chris Middleton. There you yes. go. So yeah. it, it's not it's not just yeah you know, how how much the ball goes in, how often it goes in. It's like what are the attempts? Are they pull ups? Are they catch and shoots? How guarded are they? Where are they in the shot clock? All that sort of stuff. So basically, what you said, who's the guy that when you want a three pointer to go in, you're going to try and get it to. Um, yeah, under whatever circumstance, it is Chris Middleton. So playmaking is a similar thing. It's not just about who has the most assists, like who's creating the most open shots, who's creating the best opportunities for his teammates, who's getting passes that might be uh, unrewarded potential assists because his teammates miss the shots. Who is just the best playmaker on this team? Well, I think it would have to be Giannis if we're talking about generating uh, opportunities to score, not necessarily direct assists. So I feel like it would have to be Giannis. Oh, no. Well, we're, we're a little bit off on this one. It, it was close, but it was actually Drew Holiday who had the <laughs> highest playmaking talent. And if, I'm telling you, if you don't get this next one straight away, you don't even need to explain it. Who, uh, who is the best finisher on this team? It's like you know, attempts at the rim, difficulty in terms well, of being guarded. Who's the best finisher? Let's go with the artist again. Yeah. Let's go back to the well. <laughs> as, as old mate Basil would say, Kane. Giannis and here, oh, you can't hear the sound drops coming through. That was no. just that was just Basil uh, mispronouncing Giannis's name. So that's a Antaka Kupako. Exactly. All right. I think is that. Oh no, we've got one more question. One more trivia quiz. I'm just full of tri- uh, trivia quiz questions here for you. Here, I'll put it up on the screen. Which player has played the most games with Drew Holiday throughout his career? Remember, he played for the Philadelphia 76ers. He played, of course, with the New Orleans Pelicans, and now he plays with the Milwaukee Bucks. So, which player has played the most games with Chris Middleton throughout his career? 
Not Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday. Sorry, Holiday. wrong person. Well, hopefully you just didn't give away the answer, but I don't think uh, that that would be true. <laughs> did you? Did no, you just give away the answer? I, I did not. Okay, yes. Well, he's only played a couple of seasons at the Bucks, so I think we... I think we could probably rule out the box. I think he was at Philadelphia for about, but they were probably changing the roster a lot. So, can we, should we go with someone from New Orleans? Would it be someone like uh, AD or something like that? It is, in fact, Anthony Davis. Beautiful. Kane. Beautiful. He has played 322 games with Anthony Davis, and the second one was Thaddeus Young from Philadelphia, 290, mm. 293 games there. So, about 30 games different. So, just a little bit of fun stuff to finish us off here. Kane, thank you for coming on. And talking about the Milwaukee Bucks now, tell us what you're doing over on Locked On Bucks and what cool stuff is happening and why people should go and uh, follow you and hey, the stuff you're doing for ESPN as well. No, well, I appreciate the setup here. And we're, look, it's the off-season. We know we're finding different things to talk about. Eurobasket is coming up. So there's plenty of Giannis talk. We're going to have a couple of our friends uh, from over uh, in Greece telling us what the heck is going on with the Greek national team. What can we expect? What kind of role is Giannis going to play in this team. And uh, the other thing I would plug, we had Blaine Miller, who's an assistant coach with the Bucks, uh last week on the pod. So two-parter there, really interesting stuff. Uh, you don't often get insight uh, with uh, someone on the, on the coaching staff in the NBA. So that was a fun chat as well. Go and check out Kane. Follow him on Twitter at Kane Pittman. Go follow Locked on Bucks and check out all of the work that he does. Kane, thanks again for coming on the show. Lloydie, anytime. And that will do it for today's show. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, the Odyssey app. Throw it a thumbs up on YouTube. Leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.